and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. Ben and Marcel, the usual suspects, are back as we are going to be talking about dramatic slalom from Wengen, uh, the last of a spectacular weekend, which started with three speed events at the Lauberhorn. Michael Odermatt of Switzerland won the opening Super G ahead of Kilda, and then Kilda won the shortened downhill ahead of Odermatt. Kriegmeier of Austria won the full-length downhill on the Lauberhorn with uh, Foyt's Second, Paris third, Odomat was back in fourth place. Interestingly, we'll talk about how he was allowed to just push out the start gate. So he was able to start the World Cup race. Um, Odomat was the biggest winner of the weekend, now holds the overall lead by 400 points. Uh, in Zalkensee, Austria, the women's downhill was won by Lara Gut after a spectacular crash from Sofia Goggia. Kira Weidel picked up a PB and Siebenhofer of Austria also managed to get on the podium. Uh, Sofia Goggia won the last Super G, um, recovered, sorry, from the Super G, uh, but she definitely didn't have the best of days. Frederica Brianoni won uh, a couple of hundreds ahead of Karine Suter and then another newbie to the podium, Radler, uh, of Austria, and it was a pretty tight race. Brianoni sixth World Ch um, Cup victory in Super G, uh, but it was an absolute belter. Uh, but the slalom, I guess, is where we'll start, boys, because it was a belter. Christofferson had uh, the title in his hands and then DNF'd. Um, uh, but Lucas another one. I oh, know. How many Lucas times have we seen that this year? I know. Who? But, I mean. I kind of started to feel really sorry for the guy. But the story is Lucas Branton, isn't it? Taking um, a record-breaking win, uh, the longest, furthest outside, furthest away bib number-wise on the second run to win. So from 29th to the win. Uh, and then it was Daniel Yule back on the podium. And, <laughs> and then probably the guy I was most happy with uh, that he was back on the podium was a certain Olympic champion, Ratzoli, who picked up third. Um, I don't know where to start. Should we start with the slalom? It seems probably most apt as it was the one that was the most mental. Uh, who wants to take me away? Marcel, why don't you give us a shot at your take of the slalom antics? Well, it's very kind of you to give us to something to say as well after you rambling on. For like <laughs> yeah, I'm out of here now. I'm off. <laughs> uh, you talk amongst yourselves because you've heard enough from me already. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like that slalom is probably once in a lifetime slalom, isn't it? Um, someone coming from 29 to 1, two seconds behind Rassoli, who is like about 56 years old, Olympic champion <laughs> in 2012, and you were still skiing. Um, he won the, yeah, he won the Olympics when I was... And, and the first Swiss ski racer on a slalom wing and podium in 23 years as well. What a great stats. What thousands of stats there, Ben. Ah, that's for you. <laughs> On, I mean, have you, been, have you been? Have you been? Have you been googling all those over the weekend, or just uh, listening to uh, listening to commentators and making notes along the way? I, mean, I always make notes of the commentators. <laughs> a lot, lot um, that I mean, it was it was an epic slalom. I'm not going to uh, talk about uh, Marcel's stats any more than any more than that. He can he can back off my territory uh, for a little bit. <laughs> uh, you 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 stick with you stick with what it's like to ski in World Cups and get on the podium, and I'll stick with stats because <laughs> I can't do your bit even if you can do mine. <laughs> um, but the, I, I was I was I was really happy for Ratsoli. Um He's been skiing really well all season, so to actually get on the podium, not just kind of slowly make his way back into that kind of top half of the field uh, was pretty awesome. Broughton, that second run, just, he was the only person who skied it really aggressively top to finish and, di and didn't make a massive mistake in the middle somewhere. Um, and I think, I, I don't quite know if it was just these guys, but it seemed like after one of the, the TV breaks when I, I think um, uh, like two or three people in a row skied out, it seemed to put everyone else off, like they didn't know what to do over those couple of soft gates. Um, and, and people just backed off way more than they needed to. And that's why people with such massive advantages were, were struggling so much. Like Christofferson showed until he skied out that the conditions weren't un, unbearable for the, the faster guys from the first round. He looked so quick. And I felt, Ed, you must have felt a little bit bad for Christofferson as well. I did. I did. I felt really bad for him, to be honest. I kind of, um, do you know what? I, I just want to quickly just go back to Ratzoli. He, um, not, you know, another racer like we saw from Stroltz last weekend, another racer that's not part of the team setup, skiing on his own, training on his own, uh, has gone through highs, lows. I mean, Ratzoli, we've talked about it before, but Ratzoli being Olympic champion, 
11 years ago, 12, nearly 12 years ago, is, um, and then to have the fight and determination and the self-belief to keep going, I just, it was, it was quite emotional watching it another weekend where, where there's loads of emotions flying around the uh, Men's World Cup tour. Uh, but I thought that was spectacular. Daniel Yule, I think he's going to, I'm really pleased for him because he's obviously struggled the last 18 months or so. Um, Lucas Bratton, uh, you know, he talked about being, you know, we saw his emotions in the finish area. Um, but yeah, but I, I think I did feel mostly for um, Christofferson because he deserved to win that run and he was, he was absolutely monstering. He probably would have been the second quickest on that second run. He just absolutely was going for it. I love the risk factor. He knew that he had to charge the whole way down. Um, I just kind of felt sorry for him. The, the, the thing, the only thing that I find a bit funny with, um, with these record-breaking sort of events that we've seen, um, I don't know if it's, does, does that sort of, the snow conditions, how it became tough on those really tricky gates. That does that take it away? The fact that um, that it was such a big hike from first to last. Can you hear that? It's the dog shaking a toy in the background. Can't get this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can. Um, yeah, and I think I don't think the conditions were too bad. Obviously, it's very surprising to see, you know, twenty ninth, twenty ninth to first. Good, but yeah. The, I'm not, saying, it's, it's, it's I'm not saying it was a big race. I just want to clarify. I'm not saying that he got lucky or, or anything by any means. Um, he was in the right place. You know, he's, he monstered that run. And you don't do nine, nearly a second in front of everybody else in the second run because you've got a good bib number. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. I mean, yeah, like I said, I thought Christofferson skied absolutely fine. You know, it's for the second or third time this season, that's someone who's walking away with a race with a lapse in concentration or fatigue or whatever you want to call it, messing up. Um, but the fact that, you know, Manny Feller was what, four tenths off in fifth. So it wasn't like the people at the top on the first run couldn't take the lead. They just didn't execute properly. Yeah. And, and and I think we saw a little bit, Clement Noel was just the fact that he skied out a couple of times in the row in, in a row, he was still near the front after the first run and just didn't ski like he was trying to win on the second run. He was trying to ski like he didn't want to fall over. Um, and he looked nothing like the skier he was three weeks ago. Um, and and uh, that might sound a bit harsh for someone who just came eighth in a World Cup race, but he was so fast three weeks ago. It didn't look like anyone could touch him on the World Cup. Mm. Um, and that just looked a, a bit like he'd, not just wanted to finish because he's still brilliantly fast, but just no, not taking the risks that he normally would. And I think seeing other people making mistakes and messing up just made a few of those guys back off a bit. And you know, do you think that that's the fact that they that so many athletes had issues on that middle section, you know, on that steep? Do you think that then played a big part in the outcome? You know, factors we talked about how good it is that there's a TV. Uh, at the top of the start and you know it's a good advantage for those guys to be able to sit and watch what's happening for everybody else do you think that the fact that you can see people and you could see 10 races struggling means that when you get there you're already thinking that you have to do something special rather than just do your normal stuff uh i i think that massively got in everyone's head um and i was shouting at the telly watching it just saying just to ski normally like and the uh, one of the only people who did was Ratsoli. He didn't do anything different on that kind of four gate patch that was messing people up than he did any of the rest of the run. And it, I feel like some people just overcomplicated it because people were messing up. They were like, I have to do, like you said, I have to do something special to hold my lead through these four gates when, you know, it just keep, just keep, keep. obviously like be aware that there's an issue there. But there's a difference between that and trying to do something, you know, too good to try and uh, win win the race. I'm going to shut up and let Marcel talk because he looks like he's about to fall asleep. No, 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 I'm not. Like I'm just just reminding myself of how it was when I was skiing, and I do think like obviously if you have the chance to see people, it can be a bit off putish sometimes if if it's tough out there. But then I think it's also I think it's also the bloody coaches. They probably like radioed up a thousand times how difficult it is, and like you have to be aware and blah blah blah. And I think the whole like circumstances around that is probably what makes it a bit like getting into people's heads. 
Um, and they sh it shouldn't. It really shouldn't. And you saw Christofferson was absolutely fine. No issue. But yeah, I think <clears throat> it was it was a tricky race. And if you look at the whole season so far, I mean, the leader has like 180 points after like how many races? Four races? Five races? Yeah. <laughs> and funny enough, like Christofferson is really buggered now because he walks away with 45 points in total instead of 145 points being like pretty close to the leading bib. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't like bring some good results pretty quickly, he's gonna be he's gonna be out of the top fifteen as well. Maybe not top fifteen, but like in next year's standing, he's not it's not looking very good for him. Yeah, and we and they haven't confirmed whether they're gonna put on that race from Zagreb yet. That's not been confirmed onto the calendars either yet. So we may be one slalom. Uh, it's, a side, it's a side calendar from the Croatians. It's on. It's yeah, <laughs> they're, yeah. No, they've tried to put it back on, and nobody's going. <laughs> but um. It was it was an insane. It was insane watching him, Broughton go. You know, see off yet another, yet another, yet another. Um, it, you know, it's insane. But it's funny. I have been in that position as well. When I when I got my first podium, I came from twenty seventy three, and it's honestly a lot more nerve wracking than than actually skiing. It's like you sit down there, and it was the same. <laughs> like the wind was blowing and everything was going on there. I remember, and I was just like. I was kind of hoping the wind would blow it properly. So I <laughs> <laughs> so you say the, the biggest challenge has got to be keeping a straight face when the camera keeps panning to you yourself like, on the big screen, trying not to celebrate you, every time someone calls you, over. You're like, oh, sh and then you're like, actually, oh, thank God for that. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably struggle uh, not celebrating everyone else's demise uh, each time they cross the line. No, if Broughton was just like, oh, well, never mind, shrug at the shoulders, hope I'll win, I'd be like, yes! But you know what, that can be like sometimes like the initial spark for someone. You know, you like, you're 27th, 29th, whatever, in the in the first run, mm. and you're like, actually, well, fuck that, like I was skiing, not really good, sorry for my language, it's not very good today. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then you're like, okay, now I'm really going to go for it, no matter what. And you, you just like, you have a really good run. Like Broughton obviously probably had his best run of the season, if not of his career. Yeah. And it's literally boom and you're there and you somehow end up, it doesn't even have to be first, but within the top 10 or top five, it's yeah. a great result. And that can be like that initial spark that you need because he was not skiing very well this year. So I hope for him that it's good, that he can continue using that result as like a, I don't know what to say. Maybe a springboard, like, I guess. Yeah, spring. kickstart, springboard. Kickstart. What other cliches do you want? Yeah, I'll take all of them. Okay, cool. Um, just a couple of couple of other slalom points before we bore people to death with uh, with slalom. Um, is Hirschbull uh, breaking his ankle? No, no Olympics for him. But he wouldn't have been qualified for the team anyway. I don't think. You, you don't reckon they would have taken him for the team? No, because he's like they have eleven spots. For, for all the disciplines and he was not very good this year's in this year's slalom he won the first like that parallel gs or whatever it was um which is fantastic but if you look at the likes of strine and, and schroltz and schwartz and feller like they will be they will be settled on that team. it is hard it's hard this new quota thing i mean uh, the brits have got it tough as well we've only got two spots in the men's competition to pick from um which is which is uh, which isn't going to be easy um, so it's interesting how it's all panned out. Um, what, the other couple of bits just wanted to just touch on. Yeah, Marcel, you talked about the overall standings. It's absolutely wide open, though, isn't it? I mean, Christopher Jakobsen, who's DNF'd a couple already, and he's still only he's still only eighty points off the lead. Uh, <laughs> it, it just seems it, it, it's so good that it's so wide open. It's so crazy. Um, it's just it, it's just spicy, isn't it? Now you know we used to go. Everybody, honestly, I'll chat about the predictions league in a second but nearly everybody has put Clement Noel down as the slalom winner for the weekend um you know everybody uh, what that's what's so good about the slalom at the moment and a couple of the other stuff I think on the men's speed side as well it's pretty tricky to try and try and predict who's the winner because there isn't any like real standout apart from Odomat and like Super G but in downhill it's a bit more open isn't it one of those where you it's very difficult to pick a winner and it could come from anywhere I'm trying to work out if uh, Hersh got his license back 
and join the tour next week if he could still win the slalom title. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous how much they're spreading out the points this year. I mean, like Marcel said it already, the fact the leader's on 180 is is really in the GS Odomat's on 480 like that's that's the difference he just wins all of the races yeah whereas in, in the slalom just nobody seems to be able to just keep finishing I, yeah. I, in that top four or five I think you know Feller's probably the most consistent out of all of them and he's out that one very three. surprising <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if it comes down to Feller being the most consistent of all of them God help us I was feeling so smug about my fella pick as well after that first run. <laughs> so smug. I was like, I've absolutely played a blinder with this one. I'm going to pick I, up some I, points I, finally. I, and then <laughs> I've had a shocking I, I even said out loud, Ed is going to be unbearable if fella pulls this off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Um, at this point, I will talk about the predictions because I, I have to apologise yet again for being uselessly slow and getting uh, collating all the... Uh, all the um, scores, but as of before Vengen, uh, the leader was uh, Sam. He has 106 points. Then Peter Davies in second, 101. Uh, Chelsea G Blue. Then Phoebe Cates, Will Kelman, um, Robin Kelinski, Jamie Aldridge is just outside the top, just inside the top 10. Um, for us, it's looking pretty terrible. And probably the worst thing about it is, is that Ben is the best of us. Um, so Ben Fella being the most consistent in slalom and Ben being the best in the predictions league is like the world upside down really yeah it is absolutely the world has gone crazy um, so so Ben is on 76 points Marcel you and I before Vengen weekend were tied on 63 um, I, mean, I have I, I think I've made zero points <laughs> <laughs> mate we, I'm so I've actually I've actually done a tiny bit of homework to try and pick a winner for this weekend because it's gone so terribly badly um but also, I, 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 I gave I, both of you a pretty big head start this week because I picked two women that didn't end up racing in the women's races. <laughs> so <laughs> I picked I picked Breezy who who crashed in training and said she wanted to race, but then her team doctors or physio said not yet. So shame on you, American team doctors, uh, for costing me those points. Uh, and then and, and then uh, I think Ed, you said that. You didn't think Brignoni was going to be racing, so I said Schifrin, and then Schifrin didn't race, and Brignoni won. Uh, oh yeah, I said something about the Italians um, and being worried about and, COVID, which they are, and some kind of bubble. <laughs> I got you one. I got her one time to pick her, and she bloody crashes in that race. What is how is that impossible? I'm actually, I was actually fuming because I think my mom, she's doing it as well, and she will be. Far ahead of me, which is which is pissing me <laughs> off more than men. <laughs> well, um, but I, but I will I will get um, them done as soon as I can. I'm, yeah, it, well, it's not it's not necessarily. I mean, it is an excuse, but it's a poor one that um, my diary's gone absolutely. All the listeners out there, when ben, when Ed says he's a bit slow with the predictions, it's because he's trying to manipulate it. Like it's always been the case. Just don't listen to him. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to work out how I can give myself extra points <laughs> because I am very, very far down my own competition, which is never good. Surely I must have some sort of. Uh... That's a good host, mate. You just give other <laughs> points. Right? Yeah, yeah. I'm just yeah, exactly. That's exactly right, Martin. I'm very selfless when it comes to my predictions. Um, Okay, so we'll we'll move off the predictions, but just a quick shout out to Dave Riding, who managed to get it in the finish yet again after uh, a couple of tough um, outings where he straddled uh, the last two rounds previously to this one. I spoke to his coaches and they were saying just it was always going to be tough for Dave to just risk it all again. And he's got such a sort of a pragmatic approach to, to, to the world of ski racing and the world of World Cup ski racing that... Um, he understands and has whether it's a good thing or not i don't know who knows um but it's one of those where he keeps an eye on on what's going on and in terms of another dnf would almost certainly be him outside the 15 which then obviously impacts the rest of it so solid couple of runs nothing wrong with the skiing just not quite the risk that he's seen if he wants to win which you can kind of understand the the sort of conundrum i guess yeah the top two half uh two halves that doesn't even make any sense. Uh, the top two splits of that first run were absolutely brilliant. He like he looked like he wasn't holding back at all, and obviously that's the easier part of the hill. Um, but the fact that 
he wanted to get the time where he knew he could ski fast and then you know be calculated in the rest of the hill was yeah. was kind of perfect really obviously he he knows he wants to go faster and we want him to to be on podiums but like you said it's not it's not easy to come out of a couple of races and then just be like well i'm just going to keep going because you know un- unlike michael matt who seems to have a, a never ending uh, life in that top two seeds uh, I don't know. I don't know what results he's living off these days, but somehow he's still in that top half. Like other people, seemingly drop out a lot quicker. Um, and and you know, Dave's Dave's aware of that, and you know, he's given himself another solid finish. Um, and as we said, we've got another couple of slaloms in the next week or so, so he'll be flying for those. Anything to add, Mister Mathis? Everything's been said said it all right on to the ladies who are over in Zauchensee in Austria uh, and uh, I do like that racetrack looks uh, look like great fun that f- start of the downhill um, if you guys missed it like go check out the start gate because it is insane this sort of free fall not to uh, 70 miles an hour in less than 10 seconds mega uh, but it was um, it was an absolute cracker Goggia had a huge crash uh, and was very very lucky to walk away from it let's be frank um which left the door open? No, I don't think so. Because um, I think Lara Gutbrami was skiing very, very well. So she took the win ahead of uh, Kira Vidal, who won the first training run and then put down a really good run. That was her PB, really tidy ski from her. And obviously it's nice to see the Germans are now putting down some good results as well in the speed races, isn't it? Uh, and then the Austrians with Siebenhofer getting another podium. What do you reckon, guys? Again, one of my throwaway comments on the last podcast was, uh, well, if if one of you's taking Goot and one of you's taking uh, Goggia, I guess I'll pick an Austrian to come third uh, and it will happen. I didn't pick an Austrian to come third, I picked Breezy to leave the race. Um, but the, uh, the Austrians do uh, continue, like the, the speed team does continue picking up uh, those, those kind of podium places. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't to be... Uh, 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 for Miriam Puckner, who's who's done it the rest of the season so far, having having those pretty good results, but Siebenhofer seems to be coming into a bit of form in the last uh, few races. It's GS certainly in the speed now, events. Yeah, GS has been going as well for her. Yeah, yeah, I, I made jokes that she was turning into a GS specialist and should just sack off downhill. But again, cl- clearly my expertise shining through once more. Um, but yeah, it was it was really interesting. I thought um, <laughs> Such a <dickhead>. uh, <laughs> maybe you should base your expertise on stats and then like decide what you're gonna say. <laughs> no, it's easier if I just make it up as I go. Um, uh, but I was I was really happy as well um, to see uh, Marie Michelle Gagnon again have have another really solid performance. She was in in fifth, I think. Yeah, PB. Um, and that PB. was yeah, she's. It seems like the Canadians this year across speed and tech, they just have got every now and then they've definitely got a really good result in them. It doesn't necessarily come in every race, mm. but there is there is there is enough talent in that team to every now and then spring a surprise on us. So possibly one to keep an eye on uh, for the uh, speed events coming up. Marcel, you were watching uh, Goggia's crash again. Um, it was pretty... Pretty impressive one to walk away from. That didn't look comfortable uh, with that, how she sort of ripped through the net there or ripped along the net. I think she only walked half away from it because the next day she looked a bit bit stiff. Yeah, she talked about her interviews um, before inspection or sorry, after inspection before the race. She just said that she was surprised that she was able to walk when she got up this morning and yesterday she spent pretty much the whole of the afternoon on the physio table. Um, she's, She's a tough one, like Fair play to her. She's had a fair few crashes as well, so she knows how to recover from uh, bumps and bruises. Not sure if that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe it's not one you want on your CV. Uh, she looks, she's so solid all year long. I'll pick her and she actually crashes. This is what annoys me. I jinxed her. I'm very sorry, Sophia. And, uh, but yeah, it was it was a good race. It was tight. It was close. That hill has got some good jumps, some good terrain, works them hard. Um, shame that the Austrians still aren't letting any any crowds in considering we had a fair few at the last couple of uh, Swiss events that we've had, but um, it would have been nice for the Austrians getting on the podiums to, um, to have a couple of, uh, couple well, of that home. Would be, if that would be in London, that would be about 5 million fans. Like there are no restrictions here. 
yeah. don't know if the Austrians are all of them on about actually. Then they just tight they just tighten them up as well, I think, didn't they? Nothing yeah, I think they have like a thousand people going to Schlabming, and I don't know how many people can go to Kitzbühel. So yeah, it's so... Be, unfortunately not in front of big crowds. Yeah, that is gonna be a shame. It is gonna be it's gonna be a shame, but it is what it is. Um Lara Gut Barami in the Super G the following day to that downhill victory looked Looked a bit passive, didn't she? She looked just a bit, a bit too cruisy. Not her usual fight and drive, um, but somebody that did. The Italians totally took. Like it seemed that they had a different line, um, sort of on point for that race. They were going so so direct at pretty much all the all the gates and getting away with it. It was um, it was quite a feat to watch them get get after it. But um, Brianoni, absolutely. I'm so pleased that she's back. It's nice to have. Because I think she's a real confident skier, and I think this is going to do well for her season, especially coming up to the Olympics. Uh, Kareen Suter picking up her podium, two honeys off. Um, you definitely think that she's more of a downhiller, four honeys off, sorry. Uh, and then um, Radler. Is that how you say it, Marcel? Uh, with that, um, with the umlauts? Redler. Redler. Yeah. It's like a Redler, not like a Radler beer, like a Redler. It's not, it's not a Radler beer, it's a Redler. All right, okay. Cheers. Could have done with that at the weekend. Uh, <laughs> um, but that was pretty cool to see her pick up her first podium. She And she flipping nailed it as well. And she had four ACL injuries so far. Has she? Episodes. Yes. <sighs> She's had a, a tough luck over the last couple of years. So I'm particularly happy for her that she got it all together and, and finished on the podium. I think that's more than well deserved. Is that, have you... Um, what were the press saying about the, the Austrian results? I mean, I think they're pleased. Um, I don't think they're expecting that much. Um, not like back in the days. I think if they have podiums and if they're like compact in the top 10, a couple of people in there, I think they're pretty happy with it. And, and they should be because it's like such a, such a tight field. Everyone can win, but everyone can also be in the 20th position. So if you pick up two podiums on the weekend, I think you can be pretty happy with that. Yeah, that top 10 of the Super G was separated by uh, 0.64 of a second. Yeah, that's nothing, right? It's so close, if you think about it. Yeah. On that track, which is really difficult as well. Everyone yeah. being so bunched up, you can just make a small mistake, like maybe a ski, not on the outside, ski or whatever on a turn, and then you're gone. Ben, you nearly, um, you nearly missed out on another Tessa Worley podium. <laughs> I know I was, I was going to say this, you know, this did feel a bit more like a, a GS or Super G, like some of those turns towards the bottom were really kind of cranking. So for the more technical, they were pretty technical, weren't they? Yeah, for the more out and out speed people, they're not used to having to just do like whip them around quite that that tight. And and I think we saw that with obviously Brignoni's good at speed anyway, but she has won GS races as well. So Tessa was in there. Alice Robinson started 31 and came seventh. Uh, Martha Bassino was fourth. So although all of these people, yes, they can do the, the speed events, but they, that, that's a lot of what you would probably call GS specialists yeah. I, I think in the, in the really top 10. Bucked that was probably Suter, wasn't it, really? She's probably in that in that sort of set. You wouldn't have necessarily said that that was where her uh, forte was going to lie. But yeah, it was really interesting. I wonder if um, I know these quite a few of the GS ladies do go and do super g's but it's it is quite nice that some more of the out and out gs stars are sort of branching out because you do you do tend to get a few especially on the women's side i think maybe more so than the men's um the sort of out and out gs skiers i think don't you we <clears throat> made that up i don't know See, it feels that way anyway yeah i'd, I'd agree i'd agree like the you know, on the, on the men's side, you probably don't had as many of those. Um, the Ali Prendi probably is, a, I don't know if I can think of any others. That yeah, and obviously, historically, it would have been like Max Blardoni was probably the, the, the equivalent. Simon <laughs> It's just Italians that do it, no one else. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think it, it's always good to have another extra discipline. Obviously, you have to be good enough to ski at a World Cup level, not just, oh, you know, throw on your GS skis if you're a slalom skier or a Super G skier, skis if you're a GS skier, because you might not be fast enough to, to be in a World Cup race. Mm. But the fact that they that they can, they can, and, and I think Tessa maybe started a, a couple years ago, I started seeing her name pop up on start list for Super G and being like, oh, just don't hurt yourself for the GSs was my initial uh, yeah. thought process. Um, whereas, it, you know, it's a really good idea, to, you know, with a lot of, especially when you see the line the fastest people are taking now is so straight and so fast that 
being more comfortable at high speed by doing a super G will, will only help you in, in the long run, especially if you can bring the, the, the GS skills into those high speed races as well. So um, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to, to Tessa picking up some super G podiums might make my super G picks a bit easier in the future as well. Marcel, do you reckon any of the, this is all about Olympic prep and obviously less starters at Olympic games, so opportunities, do you think it's a, a sort of eye on the Olympic side of things or do you think these are genuine sort of attempts to become dual discipline races or, or, or oh, pick I mean, up sharp in results? I mean, Tessa has been doing Super Chiefs now for quite a while, so it's, I would call her, well, she skis all of the disciplines except for downhill, doesn't she? Like slalom, she did back in the days as well. Um, but if you look at the likes of Alice Robinson, I think that you can just do her good doing some super cheese. And I think it's it's really important because career development. Like you you get you probably get like turny GSs, but sometimes you get like one that is really quick. And if you're not used to the to the speed and it, it makes it a lot easier training a bit of super cheese, so you get like the gates coming faster at you. And I think that's that's really important for a GS gear to do that. And we did that quite frequently as well. Super G is like it's so closely related to GS. So if you any good, any half good at it, you might as well just give it a good go. Um, it's a bit different on the men's side because the men's are usually leaning more towards the downhills rather than the GSs. And the girls, I think they have more turns in there some, mm-hmm. most times. So I think it's harder to go on a super G when you as GS specialist on the men's side because you need to, you have like lots of lighting sections very quick turns a lot of like soup like downhill like super g's so i think it's a bit more tricky on that side yeah um the, another point that we should look at is petra vlahova like she's um obviously wrapped up slalom tour title uh, and is there then picking up points do you think that's an like a shot at the overall she was what was she like is it 55 points back before the weekend or 60 points back i think it was before the weekend and then close it to 37 points back now that she sort of wrapped up the slalom globe she's doing more to try and put some pressure on Schiffrin, who obviously didn't start the, at the weekend probably quite disappointing for her um i because she's won super g's She's been better in downhills. Yeah, well. she made a bit, she made a decent sort of error. She was going actually really quickly until that last intermediate, you know, where that that banana was coming out of the forest section there and um, where it was very tight through those running towards the finish. She just made a small error there and just kind of cost her a few tenths. And obviously when it was 0. 0.64 off for a top 10, uh, points were sort of a bit harder to come by, I think. But I don't know. It's quite, it's interesting, I think, all of a sudden, because she obviously went nowhere near any other disciplines, did she? Only the speed disciplines at the early part of the season. And now she sort of wrapped up the slalom title. She's like, right, okay, cool. Now I can... Uh... Yeah, my thought process probably... She may well be picking stuff up for, for the overall, but if she, if Schifrin decides she wants to race a bit more, she'll walk away with it the way she's skiing at the moment. But I'd, I'd presumed that it was more just having a run at the combined, at the Olympics and just getting the speed you know, under under her feet, having not done any of the speed events so far this year, start doing some downhills and super Gs now so that you're not just going into the uh, Olympic combined, having done no speed and you're just yeah. jumping straight in the, in the training runs of the downhill without any kind of like high speed training up to that point. And that was, that was my thought process. But like you said that because she has been so dominant in slalom, she's she's right up there with with the overall. So it's it's a possibility that, that she could do. And I think had the results gone a bit more her way, we might have seen a bit more of her after the Olympics as well. But my, my first thought was it was probably just get used to some speed and try and just pick up as many goals at the Olympics as possible. Just picking up goals left, right, and centre. Um all right, back to Vengen for what was a pretty spectacular weekend of uh, or not weekend because it was half of it was over the weekday uh, set of races wasn't it in its full glory with those pictures and, and all that sort of stuff just looked flipping mega um i don't even know where to start who, who wants to start us and where do you want to start us can we start at the at the second downhill please because i thought that was quite hilarious to watch go take us away the people in that race, besides the ones that were the fastest, a lot of them looked very, very tired. <laughs> <laughs> During the middle bit, people were almost falling over because they were so tired. I have never seen that. And actually, the Germans had an absolute shocker on that one. 
Um, I think the Eurosport commentators were mentioning it a couple of times, but they were very, very far off their best um, with Sander not even starting. And you could just see like... Because that, that was the full length one, wasn't it? The second one. Yeah, like you go for a super cheap, then a downhill that's shorter. And then you go for the big downhill. I think that was a pretty, pretty rough and tough week. <laughs> brutal, brutal. <laughs> Three and a half kilometers of By the way, if we talk about, we're talking about a short downhill and it's still about two minutes long. So it's not... Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. No, but um, uh, the, the whole Kriegmeier thing was, is quite an interesting uh, story, isn't it? Ben, I feel like you, you might be uh, well... I, I thought that's what Marcel was going to say was really funny. Um, he was going to say it was really funny watching all of the other coaches and all of the other nations getting so mad uh, at uh, Austria. <laughs> I wish he could have been on that, like on that team meeting when they've had the discussion if he's allowed to start or not. I think that would have been quite interesting. I mean, we did touch a little bit on it last uh, last week's podcast when we were saying we weren't sure if he was going to be able to race, and we did say he just needed to push out of the start gate. And I think if it was for any other reason other than COVID, you'd say the rules are there for a reason. But it wasn't like he didn't do the training run because he couldn't be bothered. He didn't do the training run because he hadn't cleared. It wasn't a tactical the, the, choice. Uh, yeah, he hadn't. He hadn't cleared the COVID maybe, protocols. Maybe. He was. Oh, no. He was. He was fit and healthy-ish, um, barring COVID. Um, and yeah, it's it's a weird one because at the end of the day, the, the rules are there for a reason, and he's experienced enough that he's skied Wengen enough times that it's not unsafe for him not to have done a training run, which is probably the idea of that rule in the first place. It's more about safety of the race than anything else. But then when, you know, Fist decides to make an executive decision and, and allow someone to do something and that person then wins the race, um, obviously people are going to be really mad about it. But I, I didn't particularly mind, you know, you don't want to not have the best people in the sport racing because exactly. of random bureaucracies and 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 the fact that he is good enough to win means people want to see him race you know you know the funny thing about this and it's like it's the same in every sport it's the same in your workplace whatever it's always like when it hits you like if, if it would be a swiss guy who could have skied and won can you imagine the austrians going like yeah. ballistic about it and that this is what I find really like irritating about it occasionally because I don't think there was anything malicious behind that decision. It was Vincent Kriegmeier who wanted to ski this race, who is like a very experienced, very successful skier. And I'm sure from now on, if someone else has bloody COVID and they want to start, they can, they will do. Like there will be not, there will be no exception for like there will be an exception for everyone else as well. Not yeah, I hope I hope that is the case because that will probably be the real drama is if they don't allow someone else to have that. And again, it needs to be similar circumstances where the person is an experienced person on tour because if it was a first timer, you 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 know, Vengen's uh, as you said, people who've done it a bunch of times very nearly crashed because they were so exhausted. You don't want people who've not raced it before going into it without the training run and the only the only i guess to hand example would would of the reverse would be foits if if foits um he, he was possibly not going to be there at any point because his wife was expecting a, a child if his wife has had the baby when the training runs were going on so he'd not done them because he'd been with his family like he'd done the race a hundred times he could have said look for personal reasons i'm not doing the training runs but i want to race but see, I, I, don't, I don't agree with that because I don't think, like, it's different, right? It's a personal reason. Like, Kriegmar didn't choose to have COVID. Like, he just got it. And I feel like COVID, in this case, should be the only exception, but only for, like, the top 30 racers. Or, or did he? Did he choose to get it before the Olympics? They didn't have to worry about it. Oh, oh conspiracy! <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going down, down that road now. He's running around licking lampposts. <laughs> Get your tinfoil hats on, guys. Ed also, that's not how you get COVID. I don't know where. All right. So I'm all right to lit lampposts, am I? All right, <laughs> you can do that as much as you want, mate. Don't worry about it. I wouldn't, I, you know, I wouldn't suggest it for just general hygiene reasons. But you're not going to catch. That's how you get a good immune system, isn't it? You're probably going to catch something else if you did that on the on the London underground. Oh dear. Oh dear. Um, I I, th I just think it's quite interesting. I kind of feel like. Yeah, he, 
it wasn't his issue, you know, it wasn't his fault that he caught COVID and then he was COVID free and he's got the experience. Yeah, whether they need to, in, in all these cases, it just needs, you know, a precedent's been set and they just need to make a, make a sort of decision on, do you need, I don't know, 50 World Cup starts to, for that to be the case. But ultimately the rules are the rules. Like you literally just have to push out of the start gate. I mean, I've been at um, Europa Cups where you just, where they weren't even sure if the bottom the bottom of the piece wasn't in great nick so you didn't ski the bottom you you, you stopped before you got down there and, and like i mean they can, like, they can bend the rule as much as they want because they're yeah the rule and i think and I, and I think you've got to get the like you say ben you've got to get the best people there and like you said marcel you've you can be damn sure that if it was any other country they would be doing the exact same thing and the rest of them would all be kicking off so i think it's just a case of shut up and get on with it um he didn't gain an advantage for not doing the training runs. He because... did. Well, he did. No, he didn't. He didn't because he didn't, the... he didn't gain an advantage in terms of like the slow, but he was clearly not as tired as the other ones. He was I mean, just, it, again in theory. He's just come back from COVID, and COVID supposedly, if you listen to like the stuff coming out of uh, of the athletes that have got that have had COVID on the World Cup tour, like Schifrin and Leonsberger and those guys, they're talking about lung capacity being dec decreased. That's what that's not my words. That's that's the words coming out of uh, of ski racing uh, doctors and officials. So you know, if you if you take it as that point of view then he was at a disadvantage yeah. but also at the same time Beat Foyt doesn't push the top to bottom he basically just skis when he's doing a training run he just skis down doesn't he like there's loads of them to just ski down so I don't know I don't think he gained an advantage from not doing the training run uh, I think one people thing, are just moaning people love to moan he was just so good at the clearness like he was so much better than everyone else and I forgot to rewatch it but he was just so much better there like he, that's when he decided the race so they should I mean yeah, I also think, especially for if we're still on, if we're still on the the long downhill. Oh, it's just we we, go, we go need we. I know oh, for for specifically for the long one, we also need to uh, have some serious respect for Odomat and what he's doing in speed events in general. But then taking on the longest of the downhills and just missing the podium by like two hundredths or something. I thought I thought the short downhill. If anything's going to suit him, it'll be that one. But the long one and the fact he was still that close, I was like, at some point we're going to find a limit to what he can and can't do. And yeah. part of me really wants to see him start racing slalom just so that we can see just how incredible he is right now. See, I, I don't think you want to see his limits. I don't think you do. <laughs> Actually, no, not because, I mean, he, he doesn't seem to have any limits, but I don't think he wants to see the limit himself because he is very much on the limit right now. If he goes that tiny bit over and he's going to Kitzbühel, God forbid, and he does the same things that he's doing occasionally, he's gonna be flying into a net somewhere. Because in, if you're in if you're in good shape, you can do whatever. Like if you're in like on a top form, you can do whatever you want. But if that form declines a tiny bit and you maybe go a tiny bit too much inside and the outside ski doesn't grip as much, you are gonna be flying somewhere. And I hope that's not gonna be anytime soon for him. No, agreed. Um, but just it is incredible what he was doing like this weekend, and obviously what we've seen in the GSs so far. He has been he has been out out of this world, and just the look on his face when he's in like the finish area is just like I can't believe what I'm doing right now. So maybe you're right. He doesn't want to know what the limits are because right now he's just living an absolute dream. He, I mean, he's so good right now. It's crazy. It's um, unbelievable. I think sometimes though we we especially when you're hearing people talking about him and how he's now doing it in downhill, I think we forget that he was world junior downhill champion. So it, this isn't like a guy that's only does GS and super G that's like now no. found downhill. Skills. Yeah. There's, he's got, there's he's a, downhill skills, hasn't he? he? There's, there's a big difference between world junior downhill and Wengen, the full length. Yeah. The like, like, yeah, exactly. That, that's those kind of things. And, and he is, he is, he was more of a, you know, like you said, he, he definitely had that speed background. No one's ever expecting him to roll up and um, get slalom podiums. But just the fact that they've, he has just been dominating in, in GS at the more technical end and there or thereabouts in the Super Gs, winning some and, and podium uh, a, a reasonable amount. But just to see him ski, take that same style to Wengen was, was really impressive. Like the line he took um, through uh, that 
what's the the ZLS? Uh, the the Zeal, ZLS. Zeal's the finish yeah, one, that, yeah. Uh, yeah, the just one of them. He just went straight in, and I was just like, well, he's not going to be able to get the skis round cleanly. He's going to have to throw him sideways, and he just picked up the turn and just did it completely naturally. I was like, oh, did he what swap about, skis and put the GS skis on? What about the tactical choice for the speed plow into the Kernan S? We saw from a few. Did we, did I was we enjoy get, that. Did, I was going to say, did we want to get onto that? Like, I, I don't think in previous years we've seen anywhere near that much. I think I've seen reduction of speeds. I'm sure Innerhofer I've seen do it a couple of times. But <laughs> it was, I think it was quite interesting to watch, and then obviously li- listen to to uh, uh, like kind of fin- Finn's analysis of it as, as someone who's raced it a bunch of times in terms of you. The reason that like some of them would putting that that extra turn in is because it's just really hard to start a turn yeah. from just Great. being yeah. in a tuck when you've got to do, effectively do like a a chicane. Um, yeah, you you, you need you need some momentum in the skis to yeah. start that turn. Um, yeah. But yeah, the the fact that some people chose to try and do the uh, the uh, racing slash power plow as opposed to the the extra turn was quite interesting. I don't think anyone who did the plow went ended up quick. I think it was everyone who just added an extra turn in that went fast in there. He didn't do a plow. He did the plow. He didn't go in a straight line, go into a plow and then do the turn. He swung up. He did did a bit of a plow. I mean, some people actually, I remember who, I don't remember who that was, but he did like a proper plow. You could see how he was breaking before the turn. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. That's a bit much. Ed, oh, that's got to be difficult though, right? As a speed racer, to that, to um, tell yourself, I need to slow down here when your entire you know job is go as fast as you possibly can, and then all of a sudden you're like, I need to slow down just for this bit, but not know, too much, or it will kill all of my speed. Yeah, the um, because I've I've did that, I did that downhill thing and I on a couple of times, and honestly, that section is mental. It's apps, it is mental. That like the hunch off is iconic and it's ridiculous and you're going really slowly into it because it's basically like a 180 degree turn before you get there. Uh, and then you go into the hunch off where the ground disappears. And then all of a sudden you're going from like 30 miles an hour to 60 miles an hour across that um, Canadian's corner, whatever they call it, into the Canadian's corner. And then honestly, that section down into the Kernan S is so narrow. It's it's like piece, one piece basher wide, narrow. And all you can see tucking in there is the net in front of you because you can't, you've got no sort of perspective of, of where the exit of this turn is. And so to be tucking into there and you, all you're doing is you're doing that like, do I need to stop yet? Not yet, not yet, not, 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 not yet, not yet, not yet. And then you go, oh crap, I've got to go. And then you try and get through and try and not nail yourself on the inside, which then catapults you into the nets, or then go so direct you hit the nets on the other side, hit the barrier on the other side. But honestly, it's ridiculously narrow. And I don't think you'll, you can really comprehend, even at 60 miles an hour, is what they're doing going into there, whatever it is, uh, a, bit, a bit slower actually, because it's like 80, 80 something Ks, isn't it, coming in. Uh, it's mental it's mental and Finley's right in terms of trying to like just start a turn into that it's really really difficult you almost need that little bit of a uh, like sort of almost like a stivet you know like in GS when you're trying to get some direction you kind of chuck the skis across there and then get them to bite you're kind of trying to do the same thing but on two meters 18 downhill skis with no side cut uh, on something that's actually relatively flat which is also really difficult to try and chuck a ski across on the flats, but it's mega. But do, you, do, you, do you think they need to help with the uh, the visuals? They need like F1, like braking markers, so you know how far you're <laughs> away from the apex of the corner. You need like, oh, I'm at the 50, I really need to do something now. I think, a dr- I mean, they can't do drone cams, can they? But I think like a drone cam or something on top of it, looking down, so you can actually see like the offset of the entrance and the exit would be really interesting because I don't think the camera angles really do it justice because all you see is that one where they're coming straight at you and then the one on the exit. You don't really sort of see how far like across you're having to go. don't know. But yeah, it was, it is insane. Like Odomat is just, he's ridiculously, he's, anno- he's like annoyingly good now. He's gone from being really like brilliantly cool and fast and you're like oh my god that guy's amazing to be like going 
he's just a knob. He's so good. He's so good. He's <laughs> so annoying. I was so happy that he was like so wide open after after he sure and now this guy comes around the corner and it's gonna be like really boring. Sorry, it's wide open in the slalom, Marcel. Just watch that instead. Yeah. <laughs> they should do more slaloms. I'm gonna write them. No. I've been, I've been saying it for years. No, no, no. I no think we might break I think we might break Dave if we put more slaloms on the tour though. Yeah, yeah, you definitely need a Zimmer frame. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you want to talk about that, any of the other downhill results or the Super G result, you know, on its own. But it was, I don't know, Odomat is just, he's something else, isn't he? He's just something else. But uh, Kilda, Kilda's continuing with some good form, just him and him and Odomat swapping positions. Foyt's not able to pick up his first win of the season is that right is he still not won so far this season I don't think so no I don't think he has won no right <laughs> as we're furiously typing around our keyboards as I've chucked a grenade into the middle of this one um, but yeah I don't know it, it's, it is wide open I can't wait to get through to, to like Kitzbühel and, and all this sort of stuff um, well, the wait's not going to be very long, mate. No, it isn't. And with that, unless you guys have got something you want to bring up before... Actually, I want to bring up something quickly as well, because we talked about standings, and I'm just looking at it, and the downhill standings, it's 316, 305, 305, 302, 285, 276. Six people are within 40 points as well, with Audemars being in there as well, by the way. So it's going to be ridiculously tight as well. Yeah, that is a little insane. That is very insane. They, I mean, but it's what you want. You don't want anyone walking away with it too easy. Oh. The fact that Shifley, uh, the fact that Villahova's already won the, the women's slalom one is 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 it's brilliant for her. But obviously, you know, rub, rubbish that the rest of the slaloms, you know, don't don't mean as much now. Obviously, they mean as much to the racers, but for us and the and the, the chasing of globes, yeah. um, it's a bit rubbish. But the globe story. Yeah, in, indeed. Um, but as well, the, the only other thing I wanted to mention as well was the the kind of. Almost out of nowhere, um, Carlo Yanka uh, retirement. Um, because going into the weekend, I'd kind of got uh, got excited to see that he'd he'd been posting on social media you know, that he's he's back on he was back on skis and he was going to be in Wengen. I was like, oh, good, I haven't seen him for ages. And then he did a press conference and said, by the way, this is my last weekend racing. Um, it's a bit bad to say, but I, I kind of thought could... he'd already retired. Like, I mean, he's just. I mean, he's I he's, he's, he's had so many so injuries, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like I was trying to be funny. I wasn't. I just feel like he's no, he's, so yeah. he's just not been around. He was. So he, he has. He's been. Best. He's been out for a while, but he was so good at his best. I feel like we almost kind of missed a window of of him kind of challenging regularly in in that period of, in like the early like I guess 2010, 2010s. wasn't it that season that he just he, didn't he win like the first five World Cups of the season? Like, won like three, three races in Beaver Creek in a row. It was a super combined super G and, and GS, I think, or downhill and GS. Yeah. It was and see and and seeing the, the the kind of like just the the love from the other people in in both his own team, obviously, like the, the likes of Odomat being the you know one of the younger guys on that team, and then Foyt's being one of the older guys, and they all like had like tears in their eyes for him and stuff. And it was it was really good to see. And the fact that he was, you know, obviously it's probably more his body than than his ability that's making him retire but the fact that he got 11th in one of the uh, I think in the shorter uh, downhill shows you he's, de he's definitely not rubbish at skiing uh, yeah. and calling it a day because he can't keep up anymore um, but yeah that was that was quite emotional to watch he um, didn't didn't either him or Odomat posted on their social media that uh, uh, the picture of them side by side and he uh, and Odomat is honestly like 11 years old yeah, I saw that one. That was that was really funny. Um, oh, no, I also posted. I think it was like the first time in Wengen, and then the second time in Wengen. So the first time he was there, he was like a like a ten or eleven year old, or maybe even younger than that. Yeah. The next time he claimed to be back was on the podium. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, it was what an what a career. Yeah, cut short. Probably not. He's not going to go down in sort of the the record books as one of the guys that's won the most or anything like that. But uh, just a lot of that, I think, is due to the fact that he was yeah ill and uh, injured a fair amount through his career, wasn't he, really? 
still won Olympic game or something. Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, yeah, he's got, he's got some good stats behind him. But I mean, in terms of like, didn't get that run because he's only just retiring now and he won the Olympic Games 12 years ago. Yeah. Um, they just didn't get that run that like his talent probably deserved almost. He did. His back was just not cut out for it, I guess. Unfortunately. Yeah. I hope Kitzbühel is going to have the same kind of weather and then we're going to see another full week of action this week. Yeah, plenty of racing. So we have uh, Kitzbühel, obviously, which is going to be mental. Uh, and the women are in uh, Cortina for speed action still. Um, ben, I was just saying whilst you were swapping over your headset there that we're going to move on to the picks. Uh, good, well, we've got two downhills in uh, uh, in Kitzbühel, right? Yeah, double, double Kits downhill. Do they do a short one and a long one or are both long? Do you think Kitzbühel are going to give anybody a break? No, Kitzbühel like it rough and they like it mental. Can you imagine, like, this, it's a super G from Thursday to Sunday the next week. It's a super G and four downhills. That is mental. Plus four training runs. Yeah, that is not that is not an easy schedule. And that is not, I don't think that's what they really want. <laughs> no one's going to get killed. Uh, so you know, we, you see speed guys they always say oh we need more we need more races in the calendar so that uh, we go. can keep up with these technical guys now it's like oh there's too many races oh, they're all so tired <laughs> shut up there you go eat that <laughs> in a week uh, um, but also we got we also got um, which we'll include on here we've also got Schladming slalom haven't we the night slalom on the Tuesday as well so we have got a little slalom action for the men on the Tuesday. I like evening. how you belittle the slalom. You're like a little slalom makes a little slalom, just a couple of turns, just going very, to, very, very, very to. slowly, very safely. You know, wrap about in cotton wool. The entertainers of the tour are here. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Um, but yeah, so should we should we get picking? Let's get cracking. Okay, so we've got downhill Friday, downhill Saturday, slalom Sunday, and then slalom on Tuesday in Sladming for the men. And the women are in Cortina d'Ampezzo, and they've got downhill uh, followed by Super G. It's just a sort of speed block for the ladies um, before the Olympic Games. And I think they've got the GS as well, right, in Kronplatz. Kronplatz on the Tuesday. That is right, Tuesday morning. So Tuesday morning, Kronplatz, Tuesday night, Sladming for the men that's, that's my tuesday sorted <laughs> are you uh, going to be ill that day are you no comment hello boss i'm not going to come in i'm, I'm ill covid <laughs> i found a positive covid test um, so right who would like to uh, who'd like to kick us off um marcel would you like actually, to go first actually, for I really don't, but i'll just go first downhill number one I think I go for Kilda this time. You're going Kilda downhill number one. Uh, oh, do you know? I want to say Foyts because he's just got such a good record in Kitzbühel, but he's not quite at the Paris. He's got to do it, hasn't he? He's got to go. Wait, I, I picked him twice this week, and he didn't make me any points. I did actually one point. Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he was very worried about that. Good for him. <laughs> Um, and I think I'm going to go uh, Matthias Meyer for the first downhill. Um, ben, would you like to do the next downhill? I think I'm going to go Creek Meyer for the second one. Marcel? No, you go. For, you go. I'll start. I started, so you go first. Uh, I'm going to go oh, Kilda. Oh, yeah, Kilda. Mm. <laughs> um... And I go for, I think Foyt because he got just got his new baby delivered. Um, so he's, he's gonna, super relaxed. Super relaxed. He's gonna smash it on the second day. He's gonna get all the sleep he, in he's, his hand. He's not gonna. He's not gonna have slept at all. <laughs> well, that's probably better than not thinking about it. Okay, and then uh, shall we continue? Let, oh, let's do the ladies. Let's go over to ladies. Let's do downhill and super G. For the ladies, I'm going to go first. And I'm going to go Goot for the downhill. 
Oh, that's why you wanted to switch over. You just wanted to pick up some points there. Well, it's not didn't help me last time. Uh, Marcel, you, you want to go next? I'll go for Corinne Sutter. Okay. Uh, and Ben? Do, do you think Koji is going to be? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't go believe I'm picking, can't believe I'm picking third and, and the, uh, and the uh, world leader not, not, uh, is currently available. I'm, I'll go Gotcha unless she announces that she's not rated in the middle of the week and then I'll change it. Yeah, she, she, surely she will race home snow and all that. Home, yeah. Home she raced Cortina last year, so I'm sure she's going to be there. Yeah. Yes. Um, ben, would you like to take the Super G away? Yeah, I'm going to go uh, Brignoni on the Super G. Okay. Marcel? I think I'm going to go for Schifrin because I would assume Lahova will be racing, so she might be, might be taking her on on this time. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to stick with Goot then. If you've left Goot, left Goot up for the grabs. <laughs> I do. No, the shift. The shift. I mean, if Schifrin's going to be racing, I mean, I think that's probably a decent shout because she's going to be well rested and she's going to be, uh, you know, charging. I think she likes Cortina as well, actually. I mean, who doesn't like Cortina? Lovely place. Okay, then we've got two slaloms. For the men, well, we've got Kitzbühel Slalom and then Schladming Slalom and Schladming Slalom. Uh, and then we've got um, Kronplatz. So let's do Kitzbühel Slalom. Ben, would you like to hazard a guess? This is so difficult trying to work out who on earth can ski well at the moment. Um, I, I, I can't, I don't trust crazy money enough to do it. I really wanted to say him, but I don't think I can, I don't think I can pick him. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stick with Noel. He's he's too fast not to not to pick up some points. Marcel, I'm in two minds now. I either want to say Christopherson or Fabio Strain. Ooh, I'm gonna go. Not 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 Pinto, no. No, I'm gonna go <laughs> Fabio Strain. Don't let me down. I am gonna go. I was think I was I did want to go Fella, but I I'm not sure that I'm gonna. I'm not sure I want to do it now. As he let me down, let me down, he did, which, which he apologised for. He phoned me up and said he was very sorry that he cost me five points. I'm going to go Foss. Foss Solovag. Not, not Ratsfalian, then? No. Oh, don't know, Ben. Oh, it's a nice little left field. <laughs> uh, no, actually, no, yeah, no, no, keep He's it. He's lost already. Keep it, keep it, keep it. Okay, uh, on to the ladies' giant slalom, please, in um, Kronplatz. You're going to start that. I can start for that. Uh, I'm not, I can't do Goot again. That would just be bad form. Uh, and I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't dare dream of stepping in and taking Tessa Worley away from Ben. Um, you just try. You just try it. See what happens. So I am going to say Shifrim. Marcel, are you going to go? I'm going to say... Tess... <laughs> uh... <laughs> no, I'm going to go for um, Federica Brignone. Nice. Ben? I'm going to shock everyone and go with the person who's currently leading the salad and go for Sarah Hector. I was wondering if... Oh, uh... Everyone gets so caught up trying to wind me up about Tessa and then they don't, they don't pick his lead in the standards. Yeah, I was thinking Hector. I just, I don't know. I think, I, I know that she's proved herself. And oh, she's I, was, I was thinking about this person. I was thinking about this person, but you never. <laughs> no, just, she, no. Yeah, well, the way she skied that last one, Jesus. It's win win for me because if Tessa wins, I'll still be really happy, even if I don't get the points. And if Hector wins, I get the points. So, uh, as long as Schiffrin doesn't win, I'll be happy. Okay, fine, final race. Final race uh, is Schladming Night Slalom. So, uh, Marcel, would you like to go first? I say Pinter off for that one. I am going to go Christofferson for that one. And I am going to go Foss Solivag. Nice. Okay, uh, so plenty of action to sink our teeth into this coming weekend. Uh, so uh, any other business before we depart? I, di I did have one bit. Uh, somehow, I got set homework last week by myself. <laughs> um, I haven't been in school for a long time, but apparently this man got sent some homework. Um, 
which was to look at loads of stuff to give me some give me some Wendy stats with the request. And there's not a women's World Cup slalom for absolutely ages. <laughs> Such um, a so... terrible teacher setting useless homework. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. It should be a theme. Um, so I, as soon as we finished the podcast, I, I, I looked up a bunch of stuff. And then one of my good friends sent me through uh, a lot of info, which I will save for the next time there's a World Cup silence so we can really get into it. Um, but you wanted to know how close uh, Wendy's come to winning. Um, and her three closest second places so far have been 0.07, 0.07 and 0.09. So three times <laughs> she's come within a tenth of winning the World Cup and hasn't, hasn't done it yet. Um, and I think nearly all of those, I think two were to Schifrin and one was to Vlahova. Um, but there was another person that was on that kept popping up on the podiums um, that that we've probably not talked about, uh, and I'm going to see if either of you two uh, know who it is. What there was on the podium at the same sort of time? Yeah, a lot, a lot of the podiums Wendy's on. This other person's on there, and it's not Shifrin or Lahova. In front of I her mean, or behind her? Both. It's Susilova. Nope. Is it Frida? Ooh. Yes, it was Frida. Oh, oh, you know what that? Do you know what that means? That's ten bonus points for predictions, Lee. <laughs> but, but Frida did win races. She didn't win for ages, but then she did break the break. Isn't, the she, isn't she? Didn't she win the Olympics? Have I made that up? Isn't she? Think World so. champs. She won something like that. Won something like have, that. Well, That's homework for you, Ben. Another homework. <laughs> Tell me because because of recent events in slaloms, there were two people out of the top thirty who won the race, how many other times did that happen and what's the highest bid that ever won? I give oh. you even the Kostelich was the one with the highest bid. Yeah, didn't he play guitar in the finish area after it? God knows. That's when he was not loopy. That's before, before the crazy uncle days. Just quickly before we go, I just want to say a quick shout out to Comrade Bruner, who's been extremely helpful uh, in getting together some information on a, what has been a hectic weekend of racing. Uh, so I'm very, we very much appreciate your uh, assistance there, Conrad. And so, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. Uh, until next time. Bye for now. <laughs>